0: Welcome to this week in video games, episode twenty-seven. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing Undertale and Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries. I also got some time to talk to the developers, Pixel Rain, talking about releasing their game on Nintendo Switch. In the news this week, Hero arrives in Smash Brothers Ultimate. Solstice of Heroes 2019 starts in Destiny 2, and the PS4 hits 100 million units sold worldwide. So it's a jam-packed show, let's get to it! Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week, having spent a lot of my week up in Glasgow on an assignment, and uh, it's always good to go back to Scotland and I really enjoyed my time up there. England and Australia kicked off the ashes this week, and if you're a listener to the podcast, you'll know I'm a big fan of cricket. So we're doing reasonably well at the moment. It's the fourth day of the first test, and the match is currently in the balance with uh, Smith at the crease. He's got back-to-back hundreds in this test match, and a really fantastic performance. I'm looking forward to another eight weeks of the cricket, and hopefully there's a cricket video game that I can pick up to go along with the ashes, so if you know of a good one, let me know. So, first up, let's take a look at what I've been playing this week. So, first up this week, I've been playing Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries. It's a new puzzle platformer from Pixel Rain. The game's been out for about a year on PC, but it came out this week on Nintendo Switch. The review's coming up soon. I got to speak to the developers Pixel Rain this week, who are from Athens in Greece. That interview is coming up right after the review. Otherwise this week I've been playing Undertale which is an incredible RPG which I missed the first time round. It's been on my backlog to play for as long as I can remember and this week I finally got the chance to play it and wow it is absolutely awesome and that review is coming up really soon too. I've also been playing Unavowed, a point and click adventure game from Dave Gilbert and team. Having played through a few adventure games this year including Heaven's Vault, guard duty and nelly Cotalot, i put out the question on twitter saying recommend me some adventure games and unavowed kept coming back from followers and subscribers so i reached out to dave gilbert and we're going to be speaking this week so make sure you tune in next week for that interview and if you've got any recommendations for adventure games i should try send me an email to podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com but first up let's get into my review of robbie swift hand and the orb of mysteries
1: Διαφόρετο
2: <Ρρυχ> <μεράχο. Ρρυχ> μου με ράχο. Τα είναι αλλόρ, ατέσλα έσω πράχο.
1: Ακέσα κελβέι εν ρίλο μου χειρό πράγμα.
0: So Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries is a puzzle platformer available on PC and out on August the 1st on Nintendo Switch. You take control of Robbie Swifthand who wakes up in a temple and is encouraged by a spirit to collect the fragments to make the Orb of Mysteries and save the world. Robbie's more interested in the cash money that's on offer from the spirit as a prize. So Robbie's kind of an anti-hero. You know he's only in it for the money, but you're kind of rooting for him anyway. In terms of gameplay, Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries is a puzzle platformer full of traps, obstacles and challenges. It's your job to pick up a shining ball of light and get out of the levels. Throughout the levels you have to jump, dodge swinging axes and carefully placed traps to throw the orb of light and that opens up your goal to get to the end of the level. The game has two different endings depending on how you perform throughout the game and the levels are packed full of secrets for players to discover. There's other characters inside the temple you meet along the way. Interacting with the game world and other characters affect your path through the game with intelligent AI. There's a real personality to Robbie that shines through. Robbie isn't just a sprite that replays the same animation when he dies. The AI develops and grows throughout the gameplay and you feel an emotional connection to Robbie. He's not just a graphic who replays the same animation. He feels kind of alive. When I spoke to Nikos and Angelos from Pixel Rain. When they were talking about gameplay, they said we wanted to focus on the player interacting with the game world during gameplay. The way we achieve that is we want to add a lot of character beside the cutscenes, and they certainly did that. The original Robbie Swift Hand was made back in 2008, and it was made in GameMaker. Maker. Nikos created the first iteration of Robbie Swift Hand, and it's still available online. Nikos wanted to recreate Robbie to test his skills as a game developer and fully realise the original version for Robbie Swifthand. Since then, the team at Pixel Rain has grown with Nikos, Vicky, Angelos, and other team members too. Robbie Swifthand in the Orb of Mysteries is certainly a challenge. There's three difficulty levels hard, not so hard, and insanity. Traps will pop up when you least expect it, and bricks will fall from the ceiling. There's certainly no shortage of surprises in the game. And as well as the plethora of traps and things wanting to kill Robbie in the temple, there's also the boss battles inspired by Nikos' experience with Dark Souls. There's definitely no shortage of traps, axes, weapons, other deadly things and surprises ready to kill Robbie Swifthand and to stop him from collecting the treasure. The methods of dying too are very varied, filled with humour, albeit a little bit gruesome sometimes. There were more than the few times I shouted out loud when random spikes flew up from the ground and killed Robbie right when I was close to the end of the level. It gave me the same feeling as playing a super hard Kaizo Mario level. So when I spoke to Nikos, he went on to say we wanted to give the player a sense of achievement. We looked back at the 16-bit games of the 90s and wanted to give the player bragging rights. It's not something you get nowadays and we wanted to give the player a chance to accomplish and achieve something. So in summary, Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries is great fun. The bite-sized levels are great to pick up and play for a short time, or you can get lost in the game and play for hours. It's the perfect game for Nintendo Switch, and something which Pixel Rain are very proud of. It's a fun, challenging platformer full of humour and wow moments. Definitely one to try out. So as mentioned, the game is developed by Pixel Rain. It's out now for PC and Nintendo Switch. It was originally released on the 20th of September 2018 on PC, and it was released on Nintendo Switch on August 1st. And I gave the game a final score of 78 out of 100. So what did you think of Robbie Swifthand? Send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or tweet me at twivgpodcast on Twitter. Next up, this week I had a chat with Pixel Rain, makers of Robbie Swifthand and the of Mysteries. So let's go over to that interview now. Welcome back to This Week in Video Games, and I'm here with Angelos and Nikos from Pixel Rain, and we're here today to talk about Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries. So welcome, Angelos and Nikos. Hello. Thank you for having us. It it must be an exciting couple of days, because we've got the launch of um, Robbie Swifthand and the Orb of Mysteries on Nintendo Switch tomorrow, so it must be a very exciting time for you.
1: Yeah, it is. Yes, it's
2: stressful as well.
1: Yeah, we've and been working for this moment for like six months with TIS uh, Publishing and uh, we've been working on uh, porting the game for an extra month or two. So it's it's been quite some time since we started uh, trying to get this uh, happen. And uh, we we wanted this game to be on the switch since the day we started working on it. So we are actually very proud and very excited
0: for it. It's a it's a fantastic game, and and like you say, it's perfect for the Nintendo Switch. Um, and so, what what does it mean to you as a company to to get this game onto Nintendo Switch?
1: Uh, I guess that uh, we actually made a game good enough that uh, people. Uh, actually appreciated to the point that they actually helped us to take it all the way there so it's uh, for us it was fascinating like uh, uh, Nick can tell you from his point of view because he made a, a game eight years ago that was called uh, Robbie Swift and the Herb of Mysteries as well uh, but it was made uh, in a different engine with different graphics and you know it was uh, nothing compared to what it is today and uh, she was like, okay, let's make a project together back in 2017. And uh, we thought that recreating this project uh, would be the best idea because it would be a fun project, a small project, and pretty manageable. So,
2: yeah, it ended up not being so small. But it <laughs> yeah. was fun anyway. We didn't
1: expect
0: it to get this far. Like, yeah, uh, it's amazing for us. So, could you both um, tell us a bit more about Robbie Swift and the Orb of Mysteries?
1: Yeah, well, Robbie is uh, summoned in a temple by a little spirit uh, that uh, urges him to uh, collect the three fragments that make the Orb of Mysteries in order to save the world. And uh, Robbie doesn't care because all he wants is the money from the temple. And since there is money in the temple, he's going to save the world so it's sort of like uh, uh, an anti-hero saving the world by accident because there is money in it. You know, it's uh, sort of like what you wouldn't like in a character and uh, <laughs> that's why you don't feel bad when he dies so many times as a character. You're like, yeah, he kind of deserved that. Yeah, but Nick can explain to you the, uh, the game better than me, believe it or not. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, uh, it it pretty much, uh, the story itself is uh, a cliche story, Uh, at least that's how it starts. We have uh, 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 quite a lot of development during the game, Uh, and uh, uh, there are two different endings depending on how you perform. Uh, uh, You can find secrets in every level which will gradually change the story of the game. You meet some other characters inside the temple as well. And uh, we we wanted to focus on uh, mostly on the gameplay and the experience the player uh, get, uh, not not just by progressing the story, but actually interacting with the game world and with the characters uh, during the uh, play. So we, the way we achieved that is uh, we wanted to add a lot of character to the player uh, graphic. Uh, besides the story itself, uh, besides the cutscenes. So when you play, you'll notice that Rob is looking around while running. Uh, He will notice the traps, he will get scared, uh, he will change expressions depending on what's going on. So uh, a lot of the things uh, going on, there are actually not animations but they are run by AI in the background and uh, this makes him feel alive without the need of extra cutscenes or uh, something that's uh, been done uh, intentionally so each player has uh, a different kind of binding with the main character so when he dies uh, some people don't feel bad some people do but it it feels like some he is he, uh, alive you know so when you die you feel like uh, there's been uh, How can you say it in English? Uh, You you, kind of feel uh, bad or good depending on the way you view the character, but the feeling is generally... uh, You feel like someone who's alive. I didn't respond again. Not just a graphic of a player that, that plays the same death animation over and over again.
0: It's really interesting. You mentioned yeah. the um, the implementation of AI, and the fact that uh, throughout the game, based on your playthrough, you actually get different endings. That's that's really that's really cool, and that's uh, it. Almost goes above and beyond the kind of the average um, platforming game. That that, that that's incredible. Um, could you tell me a bit more about your inspiration behind the game?
2: Obviously, the inspiration for this game is uh, the first one I created in 2008. Uh, It actually, uh, back then I was uh, working uh, with the game maker uh, before it was acquired by YoYo Games. Uh, And uh, there was a, actually I think it was just when they acquired it. Anyway, uh, there was a competition uh, for games with the theme of uh, ancient civilization. And I, I wanted to create a platformer back then, so I, I kind of came up with uh, Robbie. It, it, you you can still find it online. It's a pretty watered down version of the current one. Uh, so, when we, uh, in 2016 or 17, I think it was at the end of 16 uh we decided to start uh, it was me and Vicky first uh, we decided to start uh, some uh, something of our own because we were working uh, at another company back then and uh, i i, I kind of wanted to to recreate robby and uh, see uh, for myself uh, how much further i got as a game developer And also uh, actually make this game uh, exactly the way I wanted it to be you know because now I had the possibilities, I had the knowledge, I had the experience and uh, obviously the Unity game engine is a lot more powerful uh, for this kind of uh, uh, results so that was the first uh, step uh, and uh, the, the way we work as a team, uh, we, we actually got Angelus involved like uh, a couple of months later. And the way we work as a team is we don't have a plan. So at the beginning, Robbie was... Uh, pretty hectic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, but it, it works out better for us and for the players because uh, uh, it, it makes the process of creating the game fun for us as well because we don't know what's uh, coming next. Uh, We usually get inspired by the game itself when we test it, and then, you know what would be cool if you added this or that? Yeah, Um, to to give
1: you a weird example, on the second boss fight, Nico's playing Dark Souls. So, Nico's playing Dark Souls, and he decided that he wanted a boss that uh, is inspired by uh, which boss? The uh, Swords Dancer? Which which one did you take as a reference? Yeah, and uh, it ended up uh, actually having a lot in common with... uh, Like, we got a lot of people saying, okay, is this from Dark Souls or something? But if you look at it, it looks nothing like it. It's just the feel that feels uh, similar. So it's not the graphics, it's not the animation, it's not the context, it's just the feel that it gives you. So it was uh, weirdly inspired by a totally different game, uh, yet somehow worked by the uh, feel it created.
0: it's it's really good, and I can I definitely get a sense um, of uh, Dark Souls in there in in the in the difficulty levels. And I, I noticed that when you start the game, you offer the player three difficulty levels. But I think the I think it's you can blame um, me for that. Oh no, that's that, that, that's cool. And you say um, easy, hard, or super hard. And um, could you tell us a bit more about your decision to offer these different difficulty levels?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give you the answer about that. Um, when when I decided uh, to, to, to to join Pixel Rain because Nick gave me an offer I couldn't refuse, uh, he was like, just make something with a point and, and it's make it fun, like these were the two guidelines. And uh, for three months I was uh, making levels that uh, I had to constantly fix and uh, uh, you know trying to figure out what would work for this sort of game and uh, uh, I ended up uh, uh, creating a theory of how levels should be made. So,
2: so how to torture people you mean? Yes,
1: so <laughs> I made all the levels psychology based. So based on how you play and what type of person you are, if you're patient, impatient or if uh, you're thinking or if you're not thinking uh, your actions before you do them, uh, you're going to get a drastically different uh feel of how the how hard the game really is. So we've had players that said that uh we initially we had only the hard mode, you know, so it was like the let's say normal version, uh, which for some players was too easy, for some players was too hard uh, and that wasn't because of their personality or because of their psychology, it was because of their skill. So we, the way they approach the game. Yeah, exactly. So we had to create three different uh, modes for the three groups that we identified that are, are within the type of people that would like our game. And are the type of people that would enjoy uh, these, uh, a challenge, yet not beyond their reach. Something they can feel they can do. So this is why we created uh, uh, in, uh, like the uh, super hard mode, which is for uh, lunatics like me and uh, our tester, who really <laughs> like a challenge and uh, don't take no for an answer. Yes, and, uh, okay. It is not an option. Uh, and we had to make an easy mode because for some people they just haven't played enough platformers to be really good at them and we don't want to excessively punish people you know so it's sort of a blend of uh, if you're not good at platformers you can still think through uh, what's going to happen and work your way around the traps and that's for the players that would choose the easy mode and uh, they would have a rather chill experience compared to the other modes the normal mode is that for people that play platformers but are not the die hard uh, fans of uh, the genre that uh, want to experience a challenge uh, that uh, doesn't take them by the hand and you know gives, him, gives them a free win and uh, the super hard mode is for people that want to you know, experience something really difficult and get a sense of achievement on when accomplishing a task that is really, really hard. So this is why we ended up making three modes instead of one. Uh, and uh, I, I think we, we, we shouldn't have done more or, and we shouldn't have done less,
2: uh, but uh, we'll see what people say. <laughs> the difference between the difficulties in our game is not just you know some uh, hp of a boss or enemies or some we actually uh, changed uh, there are different levels for each mode like all the we, we had to edit all the levels uh, the, we we first made them for the normal mode and then uh, recreated them for the other modes like changing the location of the traps making it less frustrating in some parts for the uh, less experienced players. And let's be clear, the three difficulty modes are not named easy, normal and hard. It's not so hard, hard and insanity. (laughs) Because the the one thing that uh, uh, we always wanted to achieve with this game is uh, to give the players, the, the players nowadays, The feeling we had back in the the 90s with the 16-bit consoles or the 8-bit consoles that when you beat a game or a level, you can brag about it and you feel accomplishment because you beat something and not just because you progressed the story or uh, get an uh, achievement uh, by mistake or something like that. Uh, We wanted to create the old-school feeling where you actually... uh, Knew that it was because you are skilled enough. You you accomplish something, and it's a feeling of achievement you don't get nowadays with most of the games. Uh, so whether you're playing the not so hard mode or the hard mode or the sand, you'll get that because it's still a challenging experience in uh, all three modes. Uh, just. Uh, it, it's not like we're feeling sorry for the less experienced people. We just want everybody to be able to get that feeling. And um, the game is challenging in all three modes. It just depends on the uh, p- uh, type of uh, person that's going to play the game.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that sounds really good. And I, I, I definitely like the na- the naming of Insanity for the uh, super hard mode.
2: It, it is Insanity. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, could you... um? Could you tell us a bit more about the kind of early access um, for the game, and you know how that process was for you? Did you did you get feedback from the audience and then make significant changes, or did you kind of stick to your original plan? H- how was the early access um, process for you? We
1: launched it on early access in order to get feedback. Like uh, we knew that uh, it is our first title and. Uh, you know, it, it was a risky move that we had to make in order for many reasons, but it, it really helped us define, like, even better what the best experience for the people would be because there are some issues in games that you cannot know up front. And uh, you need people that will pick up your game, that will give you honest feedback and uh, will not be you know, feared will not fear to tell you the truth, even if it hurts you, you know, and uh, we were glad to see that uh, people liked it and uh, gave us uh, really valuable feedback on how to make the game, uh, where to make the game more responsive, uh, what frustrates them, what they find difficult, and uh, we also saw a lot of people that played the game on YouTube, which really helps because you can see the player... Uh, you, you can see the players actually playing the game, and you can fix your, uh, your like um, issues that the player doesn't know are there, but you know that, that are there. And uh, you also can design better uh, gameplay and levels, because you can see how players interact mm-hmm. with the game. Uh, which, when you're making the game, you know what to do, and it's not a challenge for you, but for someone else it will be
2: yeah basically you, you you get to see the the perspective of the of the person that experienced the game because it's it's actually the exact opposite of the perspective you have. Uh, the, the, as a developer uh, it's it's almost impossible to to feel uh, the things the player feels when he plays your game. So it's really hard uh, for you when exa- especially when you don't have many testers to imagine what, uh, what exactly would uh, happen if the, a player would play the, that exactly uh, level or uh, uh, encounter the trap you are making or fight the boss you are making. So when we uh, were watching uh, YouTubers or w- uh, when we were getting feedback from a, a lot of great people on uh, Steam and uh, Game Jolt, uh, it, it was uh, cre- incredibly helpful for us and uh, a really uh, um, important motivation for us to keep going. And uh, like, especially one uh, YouTuber, he actually uh, stayed with us during the entire uh, uh, early access until launch, and he made like 20 something episodes of uh, Robby playing the insanity mode, and he finished the game. So it was like a parallel journey uh, boss both, uh, both us creating the game and him uh, finishing it, it it was really really uh, inspiring for us and uh, we wanted to to grow together with the players you know and give them something even more exciting for the next world and uh, for the next uh, boss and etc uh, etc et and it's uh,
0: yeah, it's really interesting there. You mentioned, because I always think about early access as kind of testing and getting feedback, but actually it's also about developing and cultivating the community around your game. And uh, like you say there, you, you got the YouTuber interested and you both kind of went on a journey together. Could you tell us a bit more about, you know, how you develop the community around uh, Robbie, Swift, and the Orb of Mysteries?
1: brute force I would say, like you spam people and uh, some of them respond, some of them don't and uh, eventually you get a few people in the start that actually you know like the game and are really into it and uh, are actually giving you valuable feedback and then they stick to your game and they keep playing and they keep giving you f- feedback which is, you know, a very slow process. It doesn't come within a day or two. Uh, and um, it's not like we have a big community or anything, but you get to meet uh, all of those people that are playing your game firsthand and talk with them. So it's not like a hands-off process. It's really hands-on. It's like you immediately like wake up and you have 50 new sort of like friends, internet friends, that you have to maintain relationships with and uh, keep, uh, uh, you know, keep sending them and uh, get more feedback from them and uh, understand their point of view and uh, what, uh, re- what lies behind their feedback and, uh, you know, try to empathize with them and see what they feel would be best for the game. Um, and there is many aspects, to it. like there, there is people that will... Uh, wake up one day and you'll find in your inbox uh, people cursing at you like oh my god why did you do this I'm going to kill you so, you know stuff like that which is really heartwarming uh, or you can find you know people that are like I really appreciate your job and uh, keep doing what you're doing which is also really nice
2: <laughs> yeah Aguilos explained more of, uh, of the professional uh, point of view but yeah like Uh, Especially when we're going on the conferences uh, like Gamescom and uh, Unite Berlin and uh, the local ones. Uh, It was really heartwarming to see people uh, enjoy the game whether they were good or bad. We had like uh, small kids play the game, we had uh, their parents play the game and both enjoyed it uh, um, equally. Uh, another really important factor was that people watching other play the game uh, were actually sometimes having more fun than the people uh, that were dying. Uh, so uh, it, it was an incredible uh, experience for us. Uh, and uh, I think it was a good call to go for Early Access uh, even if it was a really bad time for it because it was just uh, after green uh, steam green light was uh, removed so getting exposure was almost impossible without a uh, budget uh, but we got enough uh, exposure to get a small community going and uh, help us develop the game together with them uh, by getting feedback and uh, getting inspiration and it uh, kept us going and uh, kept us giving uh, ideas. There were some people that were so passionate that they would contact us almost every day, giving us suggestions. And uh, they would find some really, really small details that uh, we would never uh, find or think about. So uh, it's really important to have these kind of people uh, that uh, get uh, even, uh, you could say, a little bit obsessed with the game. Uh, I actually had to collaborate with uh, some people uh, from Unity at some point to to make the controls of the game be exactly pixel-perfect and frame-perfect. Uh, I had to understand exactly how uh, the process behind the input system was uh, working in Unity and uh, I actually had to bypass some things, but we ended up with... A, pretty much perfect control system for the game like there is zero frames lag between the input uh, from the player when you press the button and uh, the action you see on the screen unless there's some hardware limitation on your your setup so this is uh, the kind of stuff that make or break these kind of games but it's really hard to notice because we don't have like 50 machines to test it uh so when people started uh, contacting us and said, you know, I have an uh, older machine and a, uh, a, a Bluetooth controller that's lagging, and I noticed that there's a lot of input lag in the game and uh, we started to communi- communicating more with them, and it gave me the idea to to improve the con- uh, control system. And these kind of things kept happening. A lot of the things that are now uh, making the game uh, much better than it was when we started making it is actually thanks to the community. Oh That's, that's fantastic. So, I mean, I, I,
0: I had a really fantastic time with the game. I think it's super fun. It's, it's really hard. It's really funny. Um, so it, I was wondering if you could just tell our audience um, how and when they can get their hands on the game.
1: Tomorrow, uh, first of yeah. all... Let's...
0: And uh, which platform is it available on?
1: Uh, Currently, it's it's already available on Steam for starters. And uh, they can get their hands on the game tomorrow on Nintendo Switch. And uh, if they're in America or Japan or Asia, they can get it on PlayStation uh, soon in Europe as well. And uh, hopefully by the end of September, we will have it on Xbox as well everywhere.
2: Uh, and I, I'm actually holding, uh, right now, uh, a, a Razer phone and uh, I got the game uh, working here, so this is... Uh, we, we can't really uh, say a, any conclusive information about this, but it's, it's coming.
1: Uh, yeah, it's coming on the Razer phone exclusively, at least for a, a short period of time, it's going to be on the Razer phone only. So yeah. any Razer phone controller uh, uh, controller and phone um, owners should be expecting to hear something not from just from us but also from Razer, and uh, they should be able to get their hands on uh, uh, some uh, on a free code as well if uh, they are active at the point
0: of launch. Well, that, that's fantastic. Well,
1: you didn't mention Vicky. We she's not oh. here. Uh, But she also she did the uh, sounds and uh, all the music in the game Uh, together with her husband uh, they uh, made uh, the soundtrack and uh, all of everything you hear uh, in the game and uh, We they made sure that uh, even the casting for the characters were professionals like the best professionals they could get like uh, for example uh, on the second boss they even got uh, uh, the uh, a soprano that was voice acting in movies uh, like Disney movies and uh, uh, things like that, and uh, she did an incredible performance. And then she, they topped it up for the final boss. They got the guy who translated the uh, uh, like the Greek version of the game of um, God of War Five. Uh, they got Kratos. So oh, wow, we have the Greek Kratos. Uh, as the final boss and uh, a soprano from the Greek versions of Disney movies in uh, uh, the second boss fight and uh, Leila which is, you know, they did an incredible job there
0: so uh, we really have to to mention that as well. Well, that's awesome. So, uh, shout out to Vicky and her husband.
2: Yes, Yes. she got married. (laughs) We're still not used to saying that she's married.
0: Brilliant. Oh, well, Guys, thanks right. so much for talking to me on this week in video games, and uh, good luck for the launch. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Well, that was me there, chatting to Nikos and Angelos from Pixel Rain. and thanks once again, guys, and good luck for the release of the game. Next up, it's Undertale. Undertale is an RPG which switches up the rules, subverts your expectations and will surprise and delight you from start to finish. Undertale is a game about the aftermath of a war between humans and monsters. You're a small human dropped into the monster world at the start of the game where you wake up and meet a kindly flower. who wants to teach you the way to the world. You quickly learn though that everything isn't as you expect down here in the monster world and you're saved by a kindly monster who has your best interests at heart. You can take a number of approaches in Undertale, you can play the game as a pacifist where there's no killing, killing only a few monsters or all out killing every monster you meet. Your choices really matter in this game and Undertale constantly throws up surprises in the gameplay to keep you on your toes. From the very first moment the flower laughs and shouts at you, you know you're in for a unique experience. The objective of the game is to explore meet characters and level up, much like in other RPGs. Here you can choose your own path. If you don't want to fight, you can flirt, you can charm, or you can threaten your enemies and maybe they get tired of fighting you and run away. The systems in Undertale are fairly straightforward for an RPG. There's a few simple systems to understand and learn, like HP, attack and defense, and there's very few items to speak of. Its simplicity is both a strength and a weakness of the game. However, the lack of complex systems do let the strength of writing shine through. The battle system, much like other aspects of the game, is different to what you might expect in other RPGs. It changes as you play in different styles, but when you play as a pacifist and you try and talk your way out of situations and your opponent attacks you with white pellets aiming for your heart, it's your job to move out of the way in a bullet hell dodging manner. Attacking enemies and you have to stop a line on a grid to attack at the right time. It mixes things up in the game and offers little surprises like this all the way through. The writing in Undertale is the real star with the depth and the warmth of characters shining through in spades. The sharp humour, great character building and story beats along the way will initially get you hooked and then warm and break your heart by the end. The writers really convey a sense of knowing its audience and demonstrating the ability to get inside our heads. The passionate fan base of the game online is a testament to the skill of the writing in Undertale. As you walk around the world and meet characters in the game, they convey their deepest thoughts and share their dreams with you. It's a very touching experience. Undertale explores questions of morality constantly. We fight this monster or we kill it. We simply flirt and everything will be over quickly. The writing of the character is consistent across the game with a level of depth not seen in many other games. You'll not likely get all the story and dialogue and magic during your first playthrough, or maybe even your second. The game can be played as a variety of roles and depending on how you interact with the game world then your outcomes will be different from mine. The game comes at an average playthrough of about 6-7 to seven hours, but if you take your time this is likely to be more like 10 hours. Shorter than the average RPG for sure, but dense with story and delight. One small drawback in the game is the graphics which are fairly basic and don't necessarily do the writing justice. Sometimes the environments feel empty and sparse and you can only imagine what the game would be like with a little more richness in the graphical area. However, it's a tiny gripe and ultimately doesn't spoil your enjoyment of this game at all. It's tough to talk about Undertale without spoiling any of the story. One piece of advice I can give you is don't make the same mistake I did. I sat on this game for far too long and from the first 20 minutes played you're charmed and hooked. On completing the game you'll wonder why it took you so long to get around playing it. So if you enjoy story focused video games and well developed characters and stories, get this at the first opportunity, carve out some time and play it, maybe more than once. The game is a real treat and don't sit on this one for much longer. So the developer was Toby Fox. The game is available on Nintendo Switch, Playstation, PC and Mac. It was originally released back in 2015 but it was released on nintendo switch where i played it in september 2018 what did you think about undertale send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or tweet me at twivg podcast on twitter so if you're enjoying this week in video games podcast then head on over to itunes and leave us a nice review it really helps get the word out about the podcast so if you've got access to itunes then i'd really appreciate a nice review And don't forget, This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel that goes alongside with the podcast. The YouTube channel has got the entire archive of the podcast, as well as dedicated reviews, interviews and features. So search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content. And if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, send me an email to podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. It'd be great to hear from you. And I've just posted up a new playlist to YouTube with advice on the games industry with snippets from all the interviews I've done over the last six months. Interviewing developers, artists, producers, company directors, yeah, a range of people from the games industry. So if you head on over to YouTube and check out my playlist for games industry advice, then you can check it out there. So next up, let's take a look at the news of the week. First up in the news this week, we've got news from Smash Bros. Ultimate, and the Dragon Quest Hero joins the action. So a new fighter has joined Smash Bros. Ultimate on Nintendo Switch, and it's Hero from Dragon Quest. First confirmed during E3 as a new fighter, Hero from Dragon Quest arrived this week on Nintendo Switch. So Hero's moves and abilities have been detailed by Smash Master Masahiro Sakurai in a new video, and he also unveiled a Dragon Quest-themed stage as well. Hero arrives as part of Smash Brothers Ultimate 4.0 update, which includes changes to the final Smash mechanics as well, including a timer, in-game online tournaments, a new spectator mode, and a very easy option for Adventure Mode for those who want to speed through it. And you can check out that announcement from Sakurai on thisweekinvideogames.com. If you just go to the website and in the search box type up Dragon Quest Hero, and you'll find the link to the video there. Next up in the news this week, PS4 hits 100 million sales worldwide. And Sony's PlayStation 4 has hit 100 million worldwide sales according to their latest financial results. And this makes the PS4, the console to make it to the 100 million consoles, the fastest in history. Approximately 3.2 million PS4s were sold in the last quarter, which was April to June 2019. And Sony predicts approximately 15 million PS4s to be sold by the end of the financial year, which is the end of March next year, 2020. Sony PS4 sales are still strong as we come to the end of the console's life cycle but uh, no doubt that's going to be slowing down as we sort of get towards the announcement for the PS5 but uh, what with the exclusive titles on PS4 the overall package for the PS4 has shown and demonstrated uh, that it certainly has won the console wars this time and getting to 100 million the fastest is certainly demonstrable evidence of that. So congratulations to everyone at Sony for hitting that milestone. Next up, Epic Games Store is going to support Cloud Saves. Epic have let us into their world of planning by giving us a glimpse of their Trello board with upcoming priorities. One of the most exciting features on there is Cloud Saves. So Moonlighter was made available as one of the free games last week, and it's got the option to enable Cloud Saves. So it hasn't been officially announced yet, but Tim Sweeney, Epic's boss, came out and confirmed it was a feature, and not an error. So the other three games on the Epic Game Store last week was This War of Mine, and it also has that feature available. So Epic plans to roll out more games with this feature in the future, and it's a manual process for the store team to implement, rather than something developers have to do. So other features coming soon include a store redesign and smaller file sizes. And talking about the Epic Game Store, uh, this week we've got For Honor and Alan Wake as free games. So if you fancy either of those games and you want a couple of free games, head on over to the Epic Game Store and download those free games now. Next up, Dota Underlords is going to address the casual and ranked matches. So Dota Underlords is planning to add a casual mode into the game. This is going to let players matchmate with friends, earn achievements and complete challenges in a more casual environment. So at the moment, all games are ranked and the developers of Dota Underlords want to provide an environment where players can learn and practice. In the proposed casual mode, players will still be matchmade against players of a similar skill. However, the rankings won't be on display to keep things a little bit more relaxed for players. It can be tough in the game to learn and to pick up and play with little knowledge can be a frustrating experience. Unless you want to watch hours of YouTube tutorials, some folks learn best by doing, so providing a safe place to learn seems like a good idea. After a few games of casual mode, players will unlock ranked. However, if you play before the update, then ranked will already be open. Ranked mode is getting a few updates too, and ranked mode is going to introduce a points ranking system, which is earned from placement ranked matches. So first place gets 100 points, second 75, etc, etc player in last place loses 100 points and then ranks are shown based on your points between zero and 7600 points so for more info on that you can check out valve's full announcement if you go on over to thisweekinvideogames.com and type in dota underlords it's the first article available there for you finally in the news this week solstice of heroes 2019 has come out in destiny 2 solstice of heroes is a seasonal event and it's a chance to celebrate the year in destiny 2 your achievements, and the friends you've made, and the aliens that you've killed. The event is available for all Guardians, and uh, you don't have to own the annual pass for this content. And to start the event, you want to head on over to Eva Levante, near the Statue of Heroes in the Tower. So when you first speak to Eva, she'll tell you how wonderful you are, and how Solstice is a time in Destiny where we look back on our yearly achievements and give thanks to the Guardians for saving the last city. After you've spoken to Eva, she'll give you your first piece of armour, which is a green helmet, And then uh, you want to put on that helmet and go into the E-A-Z, which is the European Aerial Zone, which is a new three-person match-made activity for Solstice of Heroes. And in Solstice of Heroes, it's all about levelling up your character, meeting the objectives on your armour, and earning your Solstice of Heroes armour set. And it's a really, really beautiful looking set. It's going to take a little bit of a while to to rank up that armour and uh, unlock all the pieces through the green, uh, the blue and the purple armor sets and you can even masterwork those armor sets as well. One of the main features of Solstice of Heroes is a new activity called the European Aerial Zone where you can test out these new elemental buffs and pick up Solstice packages hidden in chests. You'll fight Hive, Cabal and Fallen in this new 3 player match made activity. So the idea is to defeat as many mini bosses before the timer expires before you face off against the final boss. Once you defeat that final boss, it's time to collect the loot by searching out the treasure chests in the EAZ. The more mini-bosses you defeat, the more treasure you'll get. And at the end of the activity, you're going to search out chest locations, which we marked on the screen for a few seconds. And once you open the chest, you'll get Solstice Packages, and that includes rare, legendary gear, mods, enhancement cores, and materials. Solstice Packages are also part of the quest for upgrading your armor. There's also some really cool new items in the Eververse store for Solstice of Heroes, and every item is available through direct purchase this time with silver or bright dust, rather than event engram. Armour gloves are available for each armour set and they really make your Guardian look really, really cool. So armour glove sets shine their brightest when they're matched up with the right element, either arc, solar or void. Armour gloves are also available after the event ends so you can carry them forward into Keep in October when that launches. And talking of Keep, this week... Bungie announced that Shadowkeep has been moved back a couple of weeks from September 17th until October 1st. So if you've made plans to take time off work for Destiny 2's release in the mid-September, or you're going to have to change those plans. The release date has been moved back to October 1st to give Bungie a little bit more time to work on Shadowkeep as a few things need tweaking and balancing. The Solstice of Heroes runs from the 30th of July until the 27th of August and there's a lot of content on offer. The Solstice gear is often some of the best looking gear in the game and together with the glows and the fact you can pick up a fresh set when Shadowkeep launches in October that's Armour 2.0 ready. That makes this Solstice of Heroes extra extra fun. If you go over to ThisWeekInVideoGames.com and in that search box type in Solstice of Heroes you'll find a full guide there and I actually created a YouTube video with a guide on uh, the event itself, the Solstice Armour, how to pick up the uh, packages and the key fragments and a guide to all the Eververse items as well. So if you're interested in that, head on over to YouTube and you can watch that video and enjoy the solstice of heroes with me. That's it for the news this week. Next up, let's take a look at the charts. So at number 10 this week it's Red Dead Redemption 2, which is down five places from number five. Down one place from number 8 last week to this week's number 9 is F1 2019. Down two places from 6 to 8 is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Up seven places from 14 to 7 is Grand Theft Auto 5. And down four places from 2 to 6 is Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order. Down one place from 4 to 5 is FIFA 19. And down one place from 3 to 4 is Super Mario Maker 2. Down two places from one to three, it's Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, and new in at number two this week it's Wolfenstein Youngblood, and new in at number one, it's Fire Emblem Three Houses for Nintendo Switch, and I've been hearing a lot about Fire Emblem this week, I'm really thinking about getting hold of it. I heard it's a bit of a time sink, it's over 70 hours gameplay, and carving out the time for Fire Emblem um, on this week in video games might be a little bit tricky, but I've heard a lot of good things um but let me know have you played fire emblem let me know what you think about it and should i get it send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com i'd love to hear about your fire emblem stories and what you think about the new game on nintendo switch well that's it for the charts this week next up let's look at what we've got coming up next week So only a few games next week, we've got Age of Wonders Planetfall, that's coming out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One, that's coming out on August the 6th. Then we've got Wolf Chaos XD, that's coming out on PC, PS4 and Xbox One, that's also out on the 6th of August. Then we've got Sword Art Online, that's Fatal Bullet Complete Edition, that's coming out on Switch on August the 9th. And that's it for next week. I guess we've got a super busy September coming up. Literally all the games are coming out in September. I'm quite glad that um, Destiny 2 Shadowkeep has been moved back from September to October. That creates a little bit more room. We've got Monster Hunter Iceborne coming out in September. There's Borderlands 3 mid-September. We've got Link's Awakening. There's so many games. There's Onanaki which is coming out late August which is practically September. So there's a lot of big games coming out really, really soon, and it's a super, super exciting time to be a video game fan. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and if you want to get involved in the show, email me on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. Send me an email about anything you've heard on this week's show, and I'll read it out on next week's podcast. I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram, so search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in that conversation. And if you want to support This Week in Video Games, head on over to patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games, and in exchange for supporting the show, you'll get shout outs, Discord access, exclusive Patreon content polls, special design podcast scripts and stickers. So if you enjoy This Week in Video Games, sign up to Patreon, it would be great to see you there. Thank you once again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you've had a good week. I'll talk to you next weekend. But for now, I'll see you soon.